0: Welcome to Exploring Bible Prophecy with our host, Steve Butler. On today's program, our series entitled The Second Coming versus the Rapture, as he opens God's Word to study the difference between the Rapture and the Second Coming.
1: It's time to explore Bible prophecy. Hello, and Welcome back to this new series of programs on Exploring Bible Prophecy. As we pointed out in our last program, this series explores the differences between Jesus Christ coming for His church, an event called the rapture, and the second coming of Christ with Jesus when He returns to the earth with His church. And the time period between that rapture of the church and the second coming to the earth with the church is called the Tribulation or the Great Tribulation, and it's a time when the Lord brings terrible judgments to the earth. Over the next several programs, we'll deal with those two yet future bookend events because they involve the church, and while we're experiencing God's blessings in heaven, God will be dealing out His wrath on those who are living on the earth. As we explore the scriptures in this new series— we'll be seeing two terms repeated quite a bit. Those two terms are the Son of God and the Son of Man. Now, you might say to yourself that, hey, they're the same person, Jesus Christ, and you would be correct. But a little exploring in the Scriptures, which we'll do now, will reveal two quite different attributes of the same Jesus. Jesus as a Savior and Jesus as a Judge. These two terms, Son of God and Son of Man, are key to understanding the difference between the rapture of the church and the second coming to judge the people living on the earth. When Jesus comes from heaven for his church, he will come as the Son of God to bring rewards and blessing. When Jesus comes with his church at the second coming, he will come as the Son of Man to judge the world so what are the meanings of these two terms these two titles if you will for Jesus Christ in order to start our study of that to explore some in the scriptures let's go first of all to John chapter 5 the gospel of John Matthew Mark Luke and John the gospel of John and when you get to to uh, the book of John let's look uh, first of all at uh, verses 21 and 22 So John chapter 5, 21 and 22. 21 reads, For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son also gives life to whom he wishes. And this is a key, verse 22. For not even the Father judges anyone, but he, God, has given all judgment to the Son. Uh, end of quote. Now do you catch the import of that in verse 22? God, creator God, has given Jesus all judgment. So when we see the various judgments that take place, even the great white throne judgment, the Bible's telling us that that is Jesus doing the judging. So now that we've established that he is the judge, let's now go down to verses 24 to 27. I'll go ahead and read those. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, notice that distinction, and those who hear will live. For just as the Father has life in himself, Even so, he gave to the Son also to have life in himself. And verse 27, and he, God, gave him, Jesus, authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. So do you see the distinction that these uh, short few verses in John chapter 5, 24 to 27 make for us in helping to understand the, if you will, the two different attributes of Jesus? One is the Son of God who gives life and who will bring blessings and rewards, and then there's the Son of Man who is coming to judge. Two very, very big and important distinctions that we need to um, understand, Uh, particularly given, if you don't know Jesus, that the Son of Man will come at the second coming to judge the people living on the earth for their sinfulness and their lawlessness. And basically, when you get right down to it, these people on the earth will be judged for their refusal to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They'll be judged for refusing the free gift of salvation. So let's take some time now to explore a few other New Testament scriptures to get a better understanding of these two terms and how they're used rather than just here in John 5, because the Bible. Uh, Is a very good tool for explaining itself if you just let it uh, do that work through the leading of the Holy Spirit. So let's start with a few scriptures that deal with the Son of God. And let's do that by turning to what was our Bible study uh, scripture from our last uh, episode in Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. So we're in the Gospels. So going backward from Luke to Mark to Matthew. And then if you can find chapter 16, and I certainly hope you do, uh, as you're uh, learning your way through the Bible, if you're uh, not that familiar with it. And when we get to Matthew chapter 16, let's look at those um, uh, verses from 13, uh, really down through uh, 16, and it says, now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do the people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist and others Elijah, but still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. So do you see the two distinctions there? The people of Israel who had heard Jesus preach, had heard the apostles preach, still believed that Jesus was the son of a man, whether it's... um, Elijah or John the Baptist or Jeremiah, or one of the prophets, they saw him as a son of man. But Peter makes that uh, major, major profession in verse 16. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And as we saw in our last uh, program on Bible study and looking at uh, that verse 18, using that profession that, that um, Peter made, that Jesus is the son of God, Christ would build his church on that foundation. That would be the foundation of his church going forward was that profession in Jesus Christ. All right, let's, uh, let's stay in Matthew. Let's stay in the book of Matthew and go back to the left to chapter 8 and look at an interesting perspective here on the Son of God. The situation we have here is Jesus is uh, confronting a man who has been uh, possessed by demons. And in verse 29 of chapter 8, it says, The demon cries out, What business do we have with each other, son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? So it's telling us that (laughs) unlike almost all of Israel, it was just the apostles and a few of the disciples, it seems, uh, saw Jesus as the Son of God. They rather saw him as the Son of Man, uh, the, the Son of Mary and Joseph, or of someone else. But the, uh, the demons actually recognize him as the Son of God for who he really is. And then finally, let's, um, let's look over at Nicodemus. Let's go to John chapter 3. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, back to the right. John chapter 3, and this includes one of the most well-known verses in the Bible. John chapter 3, and let's start at verse 9 to kind of set the context for what we're talking about here. John chapter 3, verse 9, Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? And Jesus was explaining about being born again. Verse 10, Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not understand these things? So Nicodemus was obviously a very educated man, a rabbi, a teacher. Verse 11, Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen, and you do not accept our testimony. So uh, Jesus is laying a charge at the feet of Nicodemus here. In verse 12, he says, If I told you earthly things and you do not believe... How will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. So Jesus is talking about himself ascending and descending from heaven, but he's talking to a man who does not believe that he is the Son of God. So he's referring to himself as the Son of Man. As Moses lifted up, verse 14, Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So the, that's um, a type and shadow, if you will, of looking to the future uh, in the not-too-distant future from this time uh, of John chapter 4, that he would be lifted up on the cross because he would be crucified as the Son of Man by those who did not believe him. Verse 15, so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Verse 17, For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. And verse 18, He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So you can see the clear distinction there that uh, only through belief do you see and recognize Jesus as the Son of God. Otherwise, you see him as the Son of Man, and God is sending his son Jesus back at the second coming to judge those who do not believe he is who he says he is. So let's look at a few that are specific to the Son of Man before we move into our our actual study here. So let's go to Matthew 26. We're in John, so back to the left to Matthew 26. Matthew 26, and looking at verse 63 and 64. In Matthew 26, uh, verse 63 reads, But Jesus kept silent, and the high priest said to him, I adjure you. By the living God, that you tell us whether you are the Christ, the Son of God. In verse 64, Jesus said to him, You have said it yourself. You, you have said that I am the Son of God. However, because you don't believe me, <laughs> he says, You have said it yourself. Nevertheless, I tell you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven so you can see that the the high priest obviously did not believe who Jesus who he was so Jesus referred to him back to the high priest as being the son of a man even though he recognized him uh, or wanted him to recognize himself as the son of god and of course that would be to entrap him next let's look at uh, Matthew 24 So Matthew 26, just back to the left, a couple of uh, two or three pages here to Matthew 24 and looking at verse 30, Matthew 24, 30, talking about uh, this is the second coming of Christ. And it says in Matthew, well, let's do the 29 just to set the context. But immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then the, sun, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. So very, very clear there, I think, a picture of Jesus returning to the earth as the Son of Man to judge, and they know that he's coming to judge because it says everyone on the earth mourns. So I think a very clear picture of that distinction of the Son of Man coming to judge. And finally, let's look at the book of Luke. So back to the right: Matthew, Mark, Luke, as we uh, explore these scriptures here. And as we're exploring uh, scriptures, we also learn where the different books are, and that can be helpful. Uh, as you go through your uh, your growth in bible study and in Luke chapter 9 looking at verse 26 it says for whoever is ashamed of me and my words the son of man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and the glory of the father and of the holy angels so he's describing his second coming here in Luke 9:26 And he's coming to judge because he's talking about those who are ashamed of me and of my word. So he's identifying himself as the Son of Man. So helpfully, helpfully, hopefully, I hope it's helped, um, these passages from God's Word help to make clear the the two complementary yet different attributes uh, of the same Jesus, the Son of God and the Son of Man as we go forward in our study. Now, let's turn to the the meat of the study, if you will, and that's found in the handout, and you can find that at the uh, WHCB website, and that's at whcbradio.org, and there you'll find all the scriptures that I'll be using to explore the differences between the rapture of the church and the second coming of Christ to the earth. So let's uh, let's get into that, and let's um, look at our, our handout, and you'll see that it's in two columns, and you'll see uh, one through seven on that first page. We're going to be dealing with number one, and the way this will work going forward is we'll look at the one on the left-hand side, which is descriptions of Jesus coming for his church at the rapture, and then we'll compare each one of those points with um, the similarity or the contrast with what Jesus is doing when he returns with his church, with the saints, at his second coming. So let's go ahead and, and jump into this, and let's see how this flows and, and get a, a feel for it uh, in looking at the differences between the rapture and the second coming. So in number one, it says Jesus comes from heaven with his church, also known as his bride— And his church, his bride, are made up of church-age believers, and it's key to understand that. So what we want to look at here in this particular uh, point of number one is to uh, explore the scriptures about what is the church, what is the bride, and let's see if we can understand anything about the uh, the timing here, about him coming from heaven. So the first one we see there is Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, so we were in uh, Luke just a moment ago, so keep going to the right. Uh, Luke, John, and then Acts, and if you go to Acts chapter 2, this is a description of what's called Pentecost, and this is what is called the birth of the church. Acts chapter 2, and we're reading 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire. Not actually tongues, just to step away from the Scripture here for a moment. Not actually tongues of fire, but like them. um, Tongues of fire back into the Scripture. Verse 3. Tongues as of fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. Verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. And those tongues were allowed them to speak to the, um, I believe it was 18 different languages that were present there for Pentecost. But the point I want to make here is in verse 4 and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So the key is being filled with the Holy Spirit and to uh, know that the Holy Spirit energizes the church. Let's stay in Acts chapter 2, and let's look at that next verse uh, in our worksheet, our handout there, and that's Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. And let's look at verse 28 to get another feel here. In Acts chapter 20, looking at verse 28, it says, Be on guard for yourselves. And he's talking about the leaders in the church in this particular case Paul's talking about the or talking to actually the leaders of the church of Ephesus and it says be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the holy spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God so you can see the association there with the holy spirit the church of God which he Jesus purchased with his own blood so we can see from Acts chapter 2, the beginning of the church at Pentecost with the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts chapter 20, uh, verse 28, we see the, the activity of the Holy Spirit in the church of God. And it tells us that it started when Jesus died on the cross and going back to heaven, allowing the Holy Spirit to come to us, that he purchased us, the church with his precious blood. So that puts a um, time marker, if you will, on the beginning of the church at the event called Pentecost. And I want to explore just a little bit more about um, the um, infilling of the Holy Spirit. But as we uh, consider that, and that's a, a fairly detailed consideration, we uh, we also have something that we want to do here at um exploring Bible prophecy, and we always want to try and answer a question from a listener. So we're going to go ahead and uh, stop our series right here, and we'll pick it up next time, because we have a question from Judy in Kingsport. Judy in Kingsport, who is um, she wants to know, who is not going to be included in the rapture of the church? So a very timely question we have here from Judy in Kingsport. So, um, timely question, a great question. To start, it should be obvious that um, that unbelievers, those that refuse the love of God will not be involved in the rapture of the church since the the church is made up of believers in Jesus Christ. And uh, in fact, let's go to second Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and see what that says about these unbelievers. Not not being involved in the rapture and why they're not involved beyond just the obvious they don't believe. Second um, Thessalonians chapter 2, looking at verse 10. And it says, "With all the deception of wickedness for those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved." Verse 11, for this reason God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they will believe what is false. Verse 12, in order that they all may be judged who did not believe the truth but took pleasure in wickedness. So these are uh, people who take pleasure in wickedness, uh, that live in, in sinfulness, they will not be involved in the rapture. But what about other groups that the Bible refers to as being counted as righteous? Let's focus on the righteous people. The Bible refers to the following groups of people as being righteous before the Lord, the Old Testament saints, the tribulation saints, the Jews and the Gentiles that uh, enter the millennial kingdom after the tribulation. Let's go ahead and deal quickly with the Jews and the Gentiles. The reason that the Jews and the Gentiles, the Jews are judged in... um, uh Ezekiel chapter twenty. I had to remember for a moment, Ezekiel chapter twenty, verses thirty-three, I believe it is the thirty-eight. Uh they're judged, and the remnant that are found righteous will walk into the millennial kingdom in their their bodies, their earthly bodies. So they're not resurrected, and they will therefore not be uh in consideration here. And then there's a group of Gentiles that are judged at in Matthew twenty-five. Uh, I believe that's 31 to 46, that will uh, be judged at the second coming of Christ. And those that are judged righteous, the sheep, will, like the Jews, walk into the kingdom. But there are two groups that will be resurrected. So the question is, are they resurrected with the church? And that's in Daniel 12, 1 and 2. Daniel 12, 1 and 2. So we go to the Old Testament, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and then we come to Daniel. Daniel. Daniel chapter 12, 1 and 2 tells us about these Old Testament saints. And it tells us that now at that time, verse 1 of Daniel 12, Michael, the great prince who stands guard over the sons of your people, will arise, and there will be a time of distress such as never occurred since there was a nation until that time. And at that time, your people, the Jews, Everyone who is found written in the book will be rescued. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will be will awaken those to everlasting life, but others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. So we find that there will be a resurrection of Old Testament saints, people who were counted as righteous by God before Jesus uh, was glorified on the cross uh, and rose to uh, sit at the right hand of the Father. So these Old Testament saints will be raised at the end of the tribulation. So they will not be part of the church, but they will have resurrected bodies and live forever. And then the last group are the tribulation saints. And the tribulation saints are found in Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. The very end of the Bible and the very, almost the very end of Revelation. And in Revelation chapter 20, it says, Then I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls who had been beheaded because of their testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received the mark on their forehead and on their hand. And they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years." So, we find that the tribulation saints, and they're called tribulation saints because they were killed for their faith in Jesus Christ. And that faith was made very um, pronounced when they refused to take the mark of the beast, which is uh, forced on the earth at the midpoint of tribulation, three and a half years into that seven year tribulation. So,. We find that they will be resurrected with glorified bodies at the end of the tribulation. We find that the Old Testament saints, uh, the righteous Old Testament saints, will be resurrected again also at the end of the tribulation. So there's only one group of people who will be resurrected at the uh, event called the rapture, and that are the be- those are the believers of the church age from the time that Jesus Christ was glorified into heaven right after his uh, death, burial, and resurrection until the rapture of the church. So basically about a 2,000-year period of time uh, for the people who will make up the rapture. Hope that answered your question, Judy. Remember, if we don't talk again, I'll be seeing you in the air. Thank you for joining us on this edition of
0: Exploring Bible Prophecy. Our special offer this month is Consider the Ant, Volume 1, The Basics. Consider the Ant is a biblically-based look at emergency preparedness. You'll be taken through the steps necessary to prepare yourself for The Unexpected. This special DVD can be yours for only $20. To get your copy of Volume 1, The Basics from Consider the Ant, simply call us at 878-6279. That's 423-878-6279. Exploring Bible Prophecy is a production of WHCB. Learn more at whcbradio.org.